Her Words is a sub-series from Something Private, featuring lesser-known stories of women who have survived unspeakable pains and triumphed. Women who succeed despite and against all odds. This is their story. I think you guys must have realised by now that I really cherry-pick the people I invite on to the podcast each week. Most of them have one thing in common, and that is they are by far more interesting than I'll ever be. And it's a real joy of mine to be able to share their story with you guys. I first discovered Ria on TikTok way before Circuit Breaker, when she was one of the few Singaporean content creators on the platform. I found her really interesting because here she was an outspoken feminist LGBTQ activist, and yet she was killing it in a community that I prejudged to be one that was sexist and incredibly niche. Here is Ria's story. I'm Ria, I'm immortal, and I <laughs> was a full-time cosplayer. Currently, I'm not studying, but yeah, I was full-time cosplaying for a good uh, two to three years. So I guess I cosplay, but I also um, share content about uh, uh, local arts. I do talk about music a lot on my platform. I do game. I also talk about activism-related content, uh, like LGBTQ-related stuff, BLM, and our local ethnic minorities as well. 15% of my followers come from America. The other 15% is Singaporeans, and the rest are just all around the world. My follower base is still very much overseas mm. and uh, very international. Tell me mm. a bit about how you got started. Who introduced you? How did you start getting involved? I, I always watched anime. So when I attended uh, AFA, I think this was like in 2014, right before... AFA is Anime Fest. Asia, yeah. I was walking around a convention and then someone called out for my name and I was like, who the hell? And it was like this really like tiny person in costume. It was in a Levi Shingeki no Kyojin costume. I squinted and I was like, who the hell is that? And um, <laughs> it was one of my juniors from secondary school. And I was like, but, but aren't you a girl? Like, why, why do you look like that? You know, I was quite young at the time. That's so why I was like completely foreign to like the idea of cosplaying mm. or dress up. And uh, he's like, oh, it's, it's me, Rie. Like, like, I was super confused. And then uh, we reconnected from there on. And because uh, she didn't know I liked anime, I was quite in the closet about it. And then uh, she brought me out on photo shoots. Uh, so I helped her out and stuff like that. And then she started to like pull me into the whole hobby altogether. And I've been thoroughly poisoned ever since. I guess being a girl, it, it's a very intrinsic part where you want to like, dress up mm -hmm. yeah it's like like how kids at birthday parties like to dress up as Elsa like essentially we all have that want but mm. we won't go out of our way to do it mm. as like teens or as adults once we grow past the phase um, not to say that it's a childish hobby or anything it's a very good creative outlet um, and when I was introduced to the hobby right it, it didn't it didn't bring out like a very childlike essence out of me and I, I really enjoyed that part mm. yeah Hmm. Like some people say it's like an escapist form. Yeah, like, yeah. like people say, like, oh, if you like anime, you're an escapist, or yeah. if you like playing games. But it's not true for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we just want to be immersed in another form of life in a different reality mm. because it does help with your imagination. Mm. How did you turn like that hobby into a career then? Because you mentioned that you you yeah. full time. Yeah, it's a full time job for you, right? Yeah. And what, 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 does that, what does that mean? When I started monetizing my content, it was actually through um, one of my friends who came up to me and said, 
um, I have a booth at this um, event called Dojima and I have an extra space. Would you like to take up that space to like sell some of your cosplay prints? Then at first I'm like, who the hell would buy pictures on my face? Mm. Like, like it was a super foreign concept. Nobody did it back then except for like one or two really popular people. So I sold my first few prints there and surprisingly it sold out. And my pricing hasn't changed since then. It's been uh, $10 per EVA print. Okay. Yeah, with an autograph and a picture. From then on, um, I started like boothing more more often. When you booth at events, sometimes like people who don't know you come and approach you and talk to you. Yeah, and then they find out your socials and stuff like that. So it's good to keep an open mind when I booth, like talk to everyone. And slowly, like when the reputation builds up, events do come and approach you and ask you like, would you like to um, be a guest at my next convention? Uh, usually it comes with like a guest appearance fee mm. um, together with like merchant you can sell your merchandise there then you get like a cut you give them a cut of the merchandise amount sometimes like uh, if I go to an event and they're like oh sorry um, we're a community based event mm. so we don't give out appearance fee I don't really mind um, but they don't take a cut of my sales uh, mm. that kind of thing but mm. the hotel the flight everything's covered mm. that's like the baseline mm. yeah so I've been to countries like um, Sabah in Malaysia, uh, Manila, Philippines, uh, Hong Kong. Oh, I miss Hong Kong. Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've also been to AX America, uh, Sydney Smash. I go to um, Comic Fiesta KL a lot. Yeah. There was some point where I, I went to KL once a month for like six months straight. Wow. Yeah. How much I earn is like, it fluctuates a lot because every freelance artist knows that you never have a steady income, right? So I think my highest recorded one would be 7,000 mm-hmm. a month. It's very high. Yeah. But the lowest of lows, right, can go down to like, yeah, three figures. Mm. Yeah. That was probably the worst. Mm. And uh, that was probably also due to COVID. Mm. Yeah. That was when it like, boo! And I was like, what happened? Mm. <laughs> yeah. After that, I transitioned into online content, which is like Patreon, Kofi, and uh, developing my social media itself. Yeah. I was stuck in the... You know how like when you're growing your account and then you'll be stuck in that certain yep, number? Yep. Yeah, I was stuck at like 2 or 3k for a while. And then um, I posted my Sakura cosplay from Naruto. Mm-hmm. And then boom. Mm-hmm. Like from then on, like every single month, I got at least a thousand followers. What made you do this full-time time. for like two to three years it just fell on my lap mm-hmm. like you know when you're presented an opportunity and then i asked myself like do i want to do it now because if i try to do it later i might not the opportunity won't come again mm-hmm. which is something i don't regret like some people are like oh you wasted you took like a three-year gap year when you could have just studied and done this on the side uh Unfortunately, I'm not a good multitasker. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I was like, just screw it, man. I'll just do it for like a few years, see where it takes me. And uh, I've gotten a lot of invaluable experiences. Mm. I've made like my bestest of friends, right? Are people that are halfway across the world. And um, yeah, I just know that anywhere I go in the world, I have a friend who I can lean on. That kind of feeling, it's great the world of cosplay is very removed from like the real world and society and I think that like it's like you mentioned just now it's very niche Mm -hmm. give me an idea of like how big cosplaying is in Singapore it's large it's like insane um for conventions like AFA 
the queues can go up to the morning queue to for the rush in to go and buy merchandise can be up to three to four hours long. Wow. The entry. We have yearly any song concerts also. And the concerts do bring in quite the crowd. Watching anime, I think is majority of people watch yep, anime. Agree, they I just are too paisy to say like, yep. oh, I watch anime. Yeah. Like, come on, it's just, just anime. But um, being involved, right? Let's say like following creators, following voice actors, following VTubers and cosplayers is quite a significant amount. Mm. Like the fact that we could live off um, an industry like this shows that there is a demand for it. True. Yeah. Mm. There's quite a demand. I wouldn't say it's like crazy amount like like compared to American circles. I want to ask a good question. And yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I think I've always I grew up I would I would say very admittedly that like Like you consume a lot of American content. Yes. Yeah. I'm trash. <laughs> admittedly still trash. But like I think I always grew up kind of with the, with the impression that you know people who watch anime are like a certain kind. What are some common misconceptions that people of, have of about? otaku's or weeaboos in general? Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, I I do get where the stereotype comes from. I have encountered multiple people like that, but usually they are just awkward. Mm. Yeah, they're generally very kind-hearted people, mm. and uh, when you talk to them, and uh, I've made a lot of friends out of this actually, like when they open up to you mm. and then they discover like their own personalities. I feel like this cosplay thing creates like a community mm-hmm. and then from then on, depending on, depending, highly dependent on who you hang out with, um, forms the way you interact with people mm. and I'm very lucky to have met like sensible people in the community mm-hmm. so it's not as delusional. <laughs> like, you get what I mean? Like, uh, it's yeah, not I mean, very incel-y la. I mean, talking to <laughs> Straight you... Straight up. Uh, talking to you, like, you don't seem like... I don't... I seem like a normal, like, Chinese girl, right? Correct. Yeah. Super reasonable. Like, if I were to speak like this to you, like, walk in the door, right? And, like, say hi, you wouldn't think, like, oh, that's a cosplayer. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a certain thing. I, I actually went to go and buy makeup with someone, right? And then I was at Urban Decay, the one at Vivo or something. And then um the, the, the store... The store manager looked at my friend and said, Hey, you look like cosplay, cosplay type one. Eh? And she's like, oh, How do you know? Because <laughs> she, she actually she looked kind of one kind of way. One la. And I, I was like, just standing beside her, like, <laughs> Please don't, please don't, please don't. And she looked at me, I was like, You don't look like cosplay type. Then I'm like, Oh, really? Uh? So is I, that a good thing? Yeah, I was just. <laughs> is, that like, a good, is that a compliment? Like, I don't know. Is that an insult? Like when she said, like, Your friend looks like a cosplayer? I. I think it's just the way people behave. Like, like there is a certain form of like nerviness or anxiety when the way they interact with other people yeah, that yeah. that fits the stereotype. Yeah, yeah, but but not everyone acts like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but but it's. I mean, I do, I do see it, and like, I mean, you are a user of TikTok, right? And people like on TikTok laugh about these kind of things yeah. and like the way like people. Behave. I guess they're just quirky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not in a bad way. Absolutely yeah. not. It's, it's super interesting. Yeah. My friends are hella quirky. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think it's the the preconceived notion that mm. they might um make you feel uncomfortable or hurt you. Um, I also do have it depending on my mood or how they approach me in the situation. But mostly, I just try to keep an open mind. Uh. Mm. So, uh, I actually made a lot of really good friends from just keeping an open mind. Because it turns out that 
it, it's kind of like a, a defense mechanism for them to be eccentric. And then when they mm. open up to you, you're like, holy shit, they're actually like fully like developed people mm. with like amazing like like points of view and thoughts. Mm. Um, and then you can discuss with them about different things like politics mm. or, or like uh, social norms and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's what I love about mm. keeping an open mind. Would you see? I mean, your, your turn to like be rude to me, I guess. Like, would you say that like individuals like me are narrow-minded? Aren't we all? Like, we're all hella narrow-minded in that in that sense, lah. Like, um, if I were to mix around with someone who is different from my subculture, let's say what kind of subculture? Like, someone who is obsessed with trains, I'll be like. It's just trains, <laughs> dude. But but you don't know train otaku's exist, man. Yeah, but but it is something they love, and yeah. it's something that I respect, lah. Mm. Yeah, something I'm passionate about. Mm. So, but I still don't understand why you would be obsessed with trains. Like you know, like there's certain there's certain like like Facebook or like Facebook pages, Instagram pages that obsess over Singaporean types of Singaporean buses, and you'll take a photo and like post the bus. No, I literally you, don't. You know, I I see it around <laughs> before, but I don't know what's the handle. Like they just they just. Every time I see a bus, they'll take a photo and like write the model number and everything like that. It's quite amazing, eh? It's 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 hella dedication though. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting so, or weird? I think yeah. That's judgmental. Yeah, that's just judgmental. But but you know, people have their own passions for a reason. Mm. And um everyone's weird to everyone else. Mm. Like a lot of people think that anime has a certain one type of of uh trope or storytelling line which is like big titties anime protagonist has a harem like sure that that exists but um what anime really is is like of an art form it's a medium yeah so that is like you look at american cartoons there's adult cartoons and then there is like like family guy the simpsons mm. um and then there's stuff like cartoon network and nickelodeon shit like that and then there's also YouTube Skits, mm. who has productions like Ruby, RWBY. So, so, and then there's Avatar, Last Avender, which talks about like political stuff mm-hmm. within their own kids' shows. So, that is a medium. And anime is also like a medium like that. They have psychological anime, they have horror anime. And uh, yeah, those, those are my favorite two genres. Uh. What else? Oh, yeah, then they have romance, harem, all that shit. Yeah. Coming of age. Yeah, coming of age. Mm. And they're beautiful, beautiful storytelling. One of the best I've ever seen. Like, first time I've ever rated an anime 10 out of 10. I didn't even give Evangelion 10 out of 10. would be Violet Evergarden. Yeah. Like, the pacing, the art, the music, like, everything flows together to create, like, this atmosphere, mm. which makes Violet Evergarden so freaking good. I recommend everyone to watch it, uh, so... What's the most biggest misconception that people have about cosplaying? And have you ever had like rude encounters before from like maybe friends or maybe like oh, yeah. relatives or family members? It's mostly like underhanded comments like, oh, like that also can earn money, Anna. <laughs> I love that. Like, I don't, <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Like, oh, no. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, the number one comment I get is those kind of like oh so you sell your feet pics or you sell your your nudes is it? Hey, there's nothing wrong with selling feet pics saying. it's lucrative exactly it's, it's if damn it's clever if, if I were to do it like right crazy like <laughs> respect to anyone who does it but but I don't do it because I don't know how to make it like I don't know how the content works mm. you know it's a new new area for me but people assume that because the Venn diagram like 
in between cosplay and like porn or NSFW, like there is like this small Venn diagram area mm. where they overlap. They think that everyone does it because mm. that is the one that gets the most attention in mainstream media. Mm. The sexualized version of cosplay. Mm. Um, I'm not saying I don't do like like revealing cosplays. I definitely do it if it's accurate to the source material. Mm. Or if it's like a very interesting fan art that I want to do. Um, I won't go out of my way to lewd characters that are not lewd in the first place. But, you know, like, I do all sorts of cosplay. And if people want to focus on the NSFW portion, which I rarely do on my platform, then so be it, like, sex styles. Mm. You know? Which is also a reason why I'm one of the smaller creators in the community, because I don't do NSFW as much. Mm. 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 Interesting. I mean, we talked a bit about this just now, like, this whole idea of, like, why people would think that or, or immediately associate like cosplay with NSFW or yes. porn. Yeah. Yes. And I guess it's to do with like I don't know, some of the most popular cosplayers out there. Uh yeah. Right? And the stuff that they Yeah. And and it's a it's literally like when you go on sites like Pornhub, am I allowed to say it? Mm. When you go on sites like Pornhub and like everything that there is confirmed going to be a cosplay tag one mm. confirmed chop mm. so, like mm. some people curious they want to click you know mm. and then they think that oh cosplay is only meant for this mm. yeah mm. and mm. and characters itself are already so sexualized mm. in so many mediums like uh, high school DXD all that kind of stuff mm. also another misconception for full time cosplayers only uh, is that we earn like buckets of money which is like not true because even if we do, like, let's say I said my highest earning was $7,000, right? In that month, right, I think more than 50% just went back into buying more costumes and buying more materials. Mm. Like, there is, in terms of ROI, right, we actually don't earn a lot by the hour because so much is going into pre-prep, making the costume, or waiting for the costume to ship over if you're buying it and uh, prop making and then there's also booking in the studio actually shooting paying the photographer if you pay a photographer um, and then there's also editing the photos mm-hmm. and then <laughs> uploading the photos monetizing it marketing it selling it posting it on social media like there's so much elements to it mm. like people will think like oh one day can gao gao no. but mm, I'm thinking that you probably have to like <laughs> let's say you want to try cosplaying a new character, right? You probably have to... I mean, let's say like... 10 the, months ahead, yeah. Right, yeah, like, I mean, the costume is probably not readily available, available first of all. Yes. And then if it's a look that you aren't typically used to, then you must try it out, right? There's yeah. Then you still have to style of, the wig. Correct. You still have to... Yeah, yeah all these yeah. kinds of things. What 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 is the... I guess, like, production timeline for you or, like, the cost involved in terms of, like, Time plus like money plus like, yeah. <laughs> Probably, I think the the most accurate answer I can give is like two two and a half months. Mm. Yeah, um, especially because I ship my materials and my costumes from China. Mm. <laughs> the longest I've taken to get in costume was probably four hours, four six hours. Mm. Fuck that costume. <laughs> hate it so much and uh the project was about two thousand dollars yeah how do you then like determine what to cosplay 
I think like what I do is that I find out which anime is popular during a period or classic anime that I want to catch up on. So I watch it whenever I have the time and um, after which I usually will find like one or two characters that I really like from the series Mm. and I'll just cosplay it. My favourite anime of all time, Madoka Magica. I've cosplayed almost every single character in that series. I like to find parts of myself within that character. Mm. It makes the cosplay feel more genuine. Mm. I don't know. So yeah. Mm. Like some people cosplay things that they don't watch because of the aesthetic, which Mm. is completely fine. But for me, like I I don't see the... There's no feel for Mm. me if I do that. Like you don't see the character within it. It's just... I just feel like a coat hanger putting on the costume. So yours is like bringing your own elements. Yeah. So when you do photo shoots, right? And everything. Really got feel one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We're taking a short break. Something Private is a podcast produced by VFM. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcast. To get notified the second a new episode drops every Tuesday. We're doing a really special episode with Singapore Writers Festival 2020, and their theme for this year is Intimacy. If you have a short story a poem or a love note exploring the meaning of intimacy to you and would like a chance to be featured on our podcast, submit your entry to me via Instagram at somethingprivatepod or via email at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. Anonymous entries are welcome too. Entries will close this Saturday, 19th of September at 2359 hours, Asia Pacific Time. Now back to the episode. My impression is that like cosplaying and gaming uh industry that kind of goes like hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. And and you personally have your own like Twitch yeah, channel and everything, channel. right? So like tell me a bit more about Uh I mean I mean like quite a lot of though. We call this entire industry ACG, which is like anime, comic and games. So cosplayers do cosplay from all three mediums. Because mm. cause they have characters as yeah. well. Yeah. So um I have cosplayed quite a lot of game characters like Neo, Neo Automata, um, Arc Knights, one of the mobile games, FGO, Fate, Fate Grand Order. And uh, it's kind of fun to just go on stream sometimes in like mm. full costume and people are like, what the hell? Mm. <laughs> Person come to life, that kind of thing. Especially during COVID, you know, like I couldn't go to conventions and go and see like my followers. So doing it on Twitch was kind of fun because mm. like, wow. Finally, I get to put it on costume mm. and like talk to people, mm. even though it's not in person. Yeah, it's still quite fun. Honestly, I don't do a lot on Twitch. I just like either play games that I play, play with friends, like co-op games, or I can just do IRL streams where I just sit in front of the camera and talk, and like hang out or like eat food. My impression is that like the gaming industry is quite male dominated. Actually, I I would say that every industry is male dominated except for like cosplay. Like even you think about you think about it like typically you would think women industries would be like I don't know gynecologists but actually in fact there's so many male doctors in the no, gyne area. It's true. What would you think would be a woman dominated industry like right off the bat? Makeup. I would say corporation wise no. No, that's true. Agree. Yeah. yeah. Corporation wise no. Beauty vloggers maybe, but with like people like James Charles coming Jeffrey, on the board and uh drag queens. Yep. And um, people identify as male. Many, yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. Like, where is where is there a place we can claim as our own? Mm -hmm. Even in cosplay, like 
I have male cosplayers who are upset that female cosplayers get popular way easier. Then I'm like, dude, if you literally leave cosplay and go to any other field, you will be popular. Mm. Yeah, if you want fame so much, don't find it here. Mm. You know, like, let us have our, our, our space. Mm. Which is something quite a lot of female cosplayers, affluent cosplayers in America have talked about, about um, having a, a very feminist space for, for cosplay. That's actually very interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. Because I mean, like, you wouldn't automically register, like, cosplaying as, like, feminist by, by conventional female-centric female standards, right? Yeah, it's female-centric, right? But the audience that consumes cosplay, right, is yeah. male. Yeah. So we have to make content catered to male audiences. Mm. You see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a fan base for females mm. which are, are consumed by by um, cross-players cross or male cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they have a pretty hardcore fan base even though like it's not as big as, as the male audience. Essentially, like, I would consider everywhere I go as a male-dominated space. Mm. We were talking about... <laughs> oh, oh male-dominated. Male how to navigate in a male-dominated um, and industry. Also, and also, just now we were talking about this whole idea of, like, people who, like, are gamers are, like, intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that is the stereotype. It is a stereotype. It is a stereotype. When I... For a good cause, yeah. okay... I wouldn't say all gamers are incels, mm. but I had my fair share of dealing with incels. My very first Twitch stream, right, was a collaboration with Overwatch. And uh, they featured me on their their Blizzard. You know when you open the Blizzard app to play the game, right? I was literally on the front fucking How page. How did you manage to get that? I, they approached me for their anniversary. And they were like, oh, we want you to try out this new character in the beta called Hammond. Yeah, so I tried it out and I never, I've never streamed Twitch in my entire fucking life. I didn't know how streams work back then and I didn't know that I needed moderators. I didn't know that, like, how to run a stream. I don't know how to. So I streamed it from my lap, my fucking laptop, eh. <laughs> oh my god, the lag was immaculate, eh. It was insane. And then people were like, the Overwatch knew that this would be my first time streaming and they wanted to, like, help me set off my, my page, like, running. Mm. But uh, I think I didn't get enough prep time or experience to, to run the full stream. And I got like a lot of neg- negative feedback. So the, the point of the stream was actually for me to promote like my own costume yep. and like why I liked like the characters that I cosplay. But um, they wanted to shift it to promoting like the, the new character. But obviously I'm not a pro gamer. There was like a few handful of people in the chat going like, why is this female on the front of the Blizzard page Mm. uh, when she can't even play properly. Like, uh, what is she doing here? That kind of thing. And there was like hundreds of incel comments on my chat and I had no moderators to ban them whatsoever. Were they like sending hate? Yeah, like legit hate. Like they wish for me to die and stuff like that. And I was Mm. like, what the fuck? And they were like, they would go like, I'm working so hard as a streamer and I only get one to two views and you get you get featured on the Blizzard page, that mm. kind of shit. And I'm like, I'm a cosplayer, I'm not a gamer, I'm just here to try shit out, man. Like, calm the fuck down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of crazy. There was 7,000 people watching. Mm. You know, people's first Twitch streams, right? Usually got like, at most, four people watching. You're lucky if you start out with that. My very first Twitch stream had 7,000 people watching me and I had no fucking moderators I <laughs> I mean it, it does sound to me also that like the people who engaged you like threw you under the bus right yeah but but they, they felt very bad for it afterwards they apologised for not 
telling me about the norms of Twitch back then because I, I was really a clueless fucking girl. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a norm I'm I was a normie back then, like normie normie. And people didn't like the fact that a normie was being recognized in yep. the community. Yeah, I mean exactly so like if they are a a big player in like the gaming community, right? Mm-mm. And knowing that like you are a first timer, then getting featured. But but honestly like I'm not meant to be a gamer. Mm. Like even when I, I when I stopped playing and I started talking about my cosplays and stuff like it they didn't respond well to a female yep. talking about how they like the game mm. and then like people will come on and defend like saying no i don't care that my sister likes the game and i'm like fuck yeah it's your sister what? Mm. if your sister went to go and turn on a twitch stream and start playing or start talking about how much she likes the game i don't think she's gonna get the same response yep you know yeah mm. it's a whole not all men, men argument but when they go out of it like when women go out of their way to do it they still get shit on for it mm. It's not all men, but all women experience it. Mm. Yeah. Say that louder. It's true. Ah, yeah. Like, it, sure, it's not all men, but every single one of us ex- experienced harassment. It's true. Right. Sickle mm. mode. Oh my god, I'm getting so heated talking about this. <laughs> Crazy. The pillow is so warm right now. Let me turn it around. <laughs> so, so I do have my fair share of, of um, encounters with incels. Like, but I wouldn't say the people that, that support me are incels. Because, like, I talk so much about activism-related stuff, and incels usually won't stomach that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm I'm very glad that because I'm outspoken about things like that, I tend to scare away or I tend to not attract people who are like of that kind. And like my followers have a a working brain, mm. yeah, which is something I'm very proud of, like mm. building. Uh. <laughs> mm. So I mean, the very first time I found out about you was when I was on TikTok. Uh-huh. And I was scrolling through my timeline and you had made this, I think, video about standing up for the LGBTQ community. Oh, was it the Netflix one? I don't like know. Like how um, Netflix SG got censored. And like, if no, you I search... Know. You know like uh, how how Netflix, right? If you slash S slash something and then you type in the code, like you will, sh- you will have like a genre of things. So there was a quote for LGBTQ stuff. Okay, I think And I, I was like damn curious so I tried it out, right? And I'm like, it was completely blank. Eh? And I was like, the Okay. Hold up. And then I went to go and search for like um what my American friends like watched mm. that were like lesbian films or like gay films. I couldn't find it. It was like completely not there. And I was like, oh, it's region locked. Interesting. And I'm like, oh, thanks, NDA. So, which means that it got censored. It literally got like taken out. And then I went to go and look for articles for it. And I'm like, yeah, like a, a few hundreds of, of different series and movies were taken out of Netflix for the Singaporean Singapore. region. Yeah. And it was the most censored version of Netflix mm. ever in all of the Netflix regions. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it, it leads me to going about this whole idea of like yeah. your activism on social media, right? You are very vocal about yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm vocal to the point where it scares people away, la, so. Yeah. <laughs> Internet vibes. <laughs> I live for it, eh. <laughs> Tea. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about, about, about that element of, like, your life, yeah. I, I guess it's just in my personality to talk about things like these. Um, like, some people say, if you have a platform where like people are struggling to get there and you're already there mm. and me as a Chinese girl got there with fairly amount of ease because I'm a Chinese girl on social media 
uh, like just be useful for once, you know, mm. like yeah. And personally, as a as a minority myself, as a LGBTQ, um, I've always been posting about uh pride, different things like that subtly, but I've never actually come out until like I think last year, yeah, last year or two years ago. Yeah, and and people still think I'm straight because I'm I look femme, mm. I have long hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even till now, even the Joanna thing thing, people are like, "Oh, Ria's not actually bisexual. She just she just supports the the pride movement." And I'm like, mm. when I first came out, everyone was like, "Wow, you're so brave!" Like I I wouldn't dare say that if I were you. You know, like like they showed their support lah. Mm. But the moment I start pointing out the problems mm. within like like about the community or how we are treated mm. suddenly it's like oh wow she's like being way too outspoken or mm. like um, yeah like that kind of thing I'm overstepping my line then I'm like where was all the support that you showed previously Yeah, you know if you really stood in solidarity with with us mm. like where is where I don't see it mm. it's empty words so um, obviously like I do have quite a lot of um, followers that really really like respect or like uh, consume whatever I post and they genuinely want to get educated and they do tell me like oh every day when you post about stuff like that I feel like I'm really learning something new Mm. outside of my own bubble as like a Singaporean Chinese person because quite a lot of people that follow me are Singaporean Chinese Mm. or um, white American people yeah because you say 15% US citizens 15% Singaporean right yeah Singaporean Chinese Um, and when when you bring people out of these bubbles and when they approach you with an open mind they don't see it as an attack they don't see it as like, oh, not all Chinese people are like that. Or not all white people are like that. You know, like when, when they see it that way, they're like, holy shit, I really come from a crazy place of privilege. Yep. And like people live such different lives from me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think it's just something you cannot see until it's presented in front of you. Mm-hmm. I, I want to sum up like this interview. I have a question for you. And that is, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile because I, I would say that like compared to a lot of other industries and communities right yeah i would say that the cosplaying slash gaming slash anime mm-hmm. part of the world is very overtly sexist oh, oh sexist okay yeah I, I, okay i would say sexist with like pinch of salt like, i'm not saying that they like demean women or whatever but like they exactly like do. we're talking about like they kind of do yeah correct <laughs> like the male gaze and everything right and how does a person like you who I, I feel that you are big on equality big on like you mentioned like amplifying mm-hmm. voices big on standing up for the things that you believe in right some of which do come quite in conflict with the things that like people who love anime or like are in the community think is right or like have like normalised right so Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile? As a bisexual myself, I enjoy titties. I enjoy really thick characters. <laughs> That's some good <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I do feel that it's not all, always necessary on all platforms. Like sometimes it's just... I, I recently, I loved the game. Like, like it was a game about like boats. But like, sure, the characters are really attractive. Sure, the, the game design is like amazing. And uh, I... I love the whole concept of it, but but the the game focused too much on like like I don't know F cup trees and mm. like at a point where it was just so unattractive to me and I'm like is it really that necessary to to fan service or sell out this entire game yep. for just so males will cash more money into the game and it really really started to turn me off 
So I stopped playing the game. But I still very much love the characters that made me get into the game for lah. So I still cosplay it. I do like objective content. Like I would call it objective because it's objectify technically objectifying women's parts. Mm. Yeah, like sure, it's nice to look at. Mm. But when it crosses a certain line, right, then I realize that, mm. oh, like this is just trying to be a cash cow at, at this point and Where I just stopped supporting it. Where is that line for you? Yo, when, when every fucking character has like K-cup tits, like, <laughs> no man. Like, that's it. Like, at a point where it's like, if I were to like, like bend down, like my tits would touch the floor, that kind of level, like, that doesn't make any sense and it's just not focusing on the game thing anymore. It's not about the content anymore. Mm. Yeah. Um, there... It is still a very heavily um, sexist industry because characters are like overly sexualized. I don't know lah. I feel very bad because I enjoy it lah. I know I shouldn't say this lah. <laughs> it's entertainment lah. It's still fiction. It's still fiction. What are you doing in your own capacity to make sure that like, I guess like the industry doesn't continue to be this type of toxic, I guess? I think I don't have the the autonomy to... to affect decisions like that because yeah, I'm still a, a small creator. Yeah. yeah, so um, what I do is that because I'm not an, an NSFW cosplayer, I tend to cosplay stuff that are not usually lewd. Um, I do cosplay like like bikini-related, summer-related um, um, cosplays in Fate Grand Order, which is a heavy sexualized like mobile game. Yeah, I do enjoy it because of the characters also. But I do draw the line on where, on what I stop cosplaying. Mm. Like, at that point. Mm. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with Ria. Remember, we're doing a really special episode with Singapore Writers Festival 2020 soon. And we're taking in story and poetry submissions on the theme of intimacy. If you want to be featured, all you have to do is to submit your entry via Instagram at somethingprivatepod or via email at nicole at somethingprivate.fm. Anonymous entries are welcomed. Entries close Saturday 19th September 2359 hours Asia Pacific time. See you guys next week for another episode.